Thanks so much, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to UCLA Radio's uh, Red Carpet to WrestleMania series. And today, we have an absolutely amazing guest, two-time WWE World Champion, uh, one of the only third-generation superstars, the, the last survivor of the infamous Hart Family Dungeon. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to UCLA Radio, Natalia Neidhart. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. So for people who might not know, your connection to UCLA goes further than just yourself and being a fan of the school. It goes to the fact that your father, WWE Hall of Famer, well, one of the two members of the Hart Foundation, Jim DeAnville Neidhart, was a Bruin himself. He was a student athlete here, and he had a full scholarship to UCLA for track and field, being one of the best shot putters in the country. So I just wanted to ask you, first of all, do you have any memories of uh, ever being a kid and being at UCLA or ever come to UCLA? Obviously, your dad was here long before if he had you, but I just wanted to ask that off the bat. Um, I actually haven't been able to go to UCLA and visit. <laughs> I never had that kind of time on my hands. I've driven past the school, but nothing more than that. I would love to go for a visit one day. My dad would talk about UCLA all the time. My dad loved, you know, being part of the school. And, you know, my dad, when he was a teenager, he was one of the best, when my dad was a teenager, he was one of the best athletes in the country. So he could go, go to any university anywhere he wanted. And all sorts of universities were lobbying to have my dad go to their schools because my dad was such an elite athlete. So, mm -hmm. so gifted in track and field and, and, um, and so on. So, but my dad really, really wanted to go to UCLA and it was very special to him. And he still has his UCLA, you know, we still have his UCLA, um, you know, track clothing and jackets and like he has a UCLA track bag. And, you know, it's, it was very special for him to be a part of that school. So um, yeah, that's, those are my memories of UCLA. And that's sort of the connection that I have with it is how much it meant to my dad. And of course, UCLA is just a badass school. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I mean, what, as soon as WrestleMania 37 is coming around, we will definitely make it um, an effort to get you out here and have you visit the campus and go to a Drake Stadium where no doubt your dad used to train. So we'll, we'll definitely make sure to try and get something like that, that to happen when, you know, everything's open back up again. And hopefully by WrestleMania 37, that'll be, uh, we'll be able to do that. Yeah, that'd be great. So another thing I wanted to ask you about is, so Jimmy Animal Neidhart, not, being that he's part of the Hart Family Dungeons, many people all, all, almost always assume that he's Canadian. But in fact, not only did he go to UCLA, but he's from Newport Beach, right here in Southern California, which makes you a Cali girl in some way or another. So <laughs> did you ever uh, live in Southern California at a time or was it just maybe coming here for visits and then later on for wrestling? Um, yeah, I mean, I've been to Southern California a ton uh, with work and everything like that. Um, I was born in Canada. I've lived most of my adult life in Florida. Um, but I, I, you know, I love, I love going out to Southern California. I've got a lot of friends that live out there and my dad, you know, he went to Catella, um, high school and, you know, obviously like grew up around Newport Harbor and my dad is a Cali, Cali boy, my, you know, it, it was cool growing up because my dad was American. My mom is Canadian. So, I mean, I'm a dual citizen and I'm very proud of like that heritage from both countries. So my dad was a really, really proud American. And correct me if I'm wrong, but your father, Jimmy Animal Neidart, he held the uh, shot put record at Newport Harbor High School for something like decades. Yeah, yeah, my dad, I don't, I don't think his shot putting record, I, I mean, I, I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. I think he still has the shot put record there. I don't think it's been broken. So oh, wow. he, he's, yeah, he's an, <laughs> he was just a very, very gifted athlete. And then after he did track and field at UCLA, he ended up going on to play for the Dallas Cowboys mm -hmm. and the Oakland Raiders, which is really cool that my dad was a part of three different sports. He was a part of, 
you know, he was a world-class shot putter and um, one of the best shot putters in the entire country when he was a teenager and then played in the NFL and then was a, you know, obviously now Hall of Famer in WWE. So he had an incredible, very few people can do three professional, you know, be a part of three professional sports and succeed at them. But my dad was just, he was really just an incredible athlete and very like gifted. Absolutely. And what's so crazy to think is that Jimmy Anvil Nightheart was such a great athlete, but at the same time, he was one of the most captivating characters in WWE history, not either tag team or singles. I mean, he had an almost Shakespearean vibe about him whenever he would, you know, cut his promos alongside Brett back, um, you know, in front, of the, in front of the green screen. So I just wanted to ask, how do you go from being such, well, such a dedicated athlete and then developing that personality or was it just always in him? I think my dad always just had a ton of personality. And I think that's one of the cool things about athletes transitioning into WWE careers. You look at somebody like Kurt Angle, who is a, you know, an Olympian um, and very much an elite athlete like my dad. Um, and you see that personality in them come out. And, you know, in WWE, you have people that have that personality that it, it can't really be taught. It has to, I think it's something that lives with inside them that they were born with, that they have that it factor, that sparkle, that, you know, not everybody is meant to have a personality like The Rock. <laughs> not very many people do. Um, but I think that's what's cool about WWE is that we, as a company, find a way to bring out these unique qualities and people that really allow their personalities to shine through. And as from as long as I can remember from even old videos and stuff of my dad, he was always kind of a ham. You know, he was always just like, he just always was the center of attention. He was like, the, you know, the person that lit up a room. And so he just had that personality to him that I think when he teamed up with Bret Hart he was he, he was really able to help Bret come out of his shell because I think Bret has a different kind of personality than my dad much like mm -hmm. um you know my dad was more outgoing and Bret was very was a very serious technical wrestler um but my dad was able to bring out bring out so much personality in Bret and that's why they complimented each other so much as the Hart Foundation so it's personality is important <laughs> And then you got the best of both worlds because, I mean, not only are you a superb technical wrestler, one of the, the best, neither of either female or male, but also like the Natalia character has gone through so many iterations from being the manager for, for the New Heart Foundation, your husband and uh, David Hartsmith, to being a multiple time world champion, the Divas of Doom. So I want to ask you, which has been your favorite period in your career? Um, I mean, every stage of my career, I feel like has been a roller coaster. You know, nothing has been easy. I've never, I've never gone into work where like everything was just laid out and super nice and super easy. I think it's because I struggled so much in WWE and, and within finding the right storylines and the right moments and the right matches and the right opponents that I've been able to kind of really carve out a character that's kind of like the Iron Woman of the WWE. And, and like, you look at my body of work and it's, you know, I, I think, I think for me, I think working alongside Ronda Rousey was something that was a highlight in my career because she was somebody that is such an entity in sports from her world, from MMA. She's a pioneer for women in mixed martial arts, but getting a chance to work with her and, you know, we had a match together, um, just one single match because we were normally tag partners, but working with her was something I really enjoyed and working with Beth Phoenix. I, I really, really enjoyed that because again, it's about complimenting each other. It's about bringing out the best in each other. It's about believing in the person that you're working with. And, you know, in order to succeed in WWE, you're not 
it's not a solo sport. You're playing with other people, you know, and everything has to kind of nicely, naturally come together. So working with Rhonda was great. Working with Beth Phoenix was great. Obviously managing Tyson Kidd and, and um, David Hart Smith being part of the Hart Dynasty, which is, you know, that team may never have ever happened had I, had I not fought for it. And having mm -hmm. been with Beth Phoenix, I may never have been a team with Beth Phoenix had I not fought for it. And, you know, it, even, even, even wanting still to have a match with Ronda Rousey, I feel like it's something I'm going to have to still fight mm -hmm. for to do. But I like that. I think, I think that the second that you become a talent that doesn't care, doesn't, doesn't want to fight, doesn't really care, you know, that's comfortable or complacent or okay with just settling for less than what you're worth. I think that's like, that's what I don't want to see any WWE talent become. I think it's mm -hmm. important to fight and, and to look for things in your career that excite you, you know, going back to even dance, even when I was with the great Kali, I remember when WWE didn't even want me doing that. They were like, no, you're not on the show tonight. You're backstage. You're not going to be doing anything tonight. And I remember being like, no, I want to go out there with Kali. He's an attraction. He's a, when you look at Kali, he's, he's this incredible entity. You know, when people, people see Kali, they stop and they want to watch what he's doing. And I wanted to be a part of that. So there, there have been a lot of great moments, but I think all of those moments I've, I've definitely had to fight for, and I guess, I guess it's worth it. So, <laughs> in the can long short of it. Can I tell you something about the Kali thing? So I'm from India, and one of the things that I don't think many people maybe knew about was, I mean, I'm sure people knew that Kali was a superstar there. So from that, you saying that you wanted to do something with Kali because he's an attraction, that's so smart because even I remember around that time, maybe that, that was around, you know, nine, 10 years ago now, but from that, I still think the two uh, female superstars in WWE that are still the, or in India that are still the most known and still the most popular would be yourself and Beth Phoenix. Beth for our, her obviously her Royal Rumble elim elimination of the Kali and you for all that stuff you did with the great Kali. Till this date, Natalia and Beth Phoenix are definitely the two people who made use of the, that Kali name more than anybody else in WWE. So <laughs> that's something really cool to hear from you. I love Kali. Yeah, he's a good friend of mine. I, I think he's... You know, it's, it's, it can't be easy dealing with the obstacles that he's had to deal with in his life, um, like being a giant, you know, but he's, he's just got a big heart and I just, I think he's a great guy and he was so nice. He cared about me coming out to the ring with him. He wanted that and he always fought for me too, to, to be by his side. And like, I just, I always remember that, like when people, like Kali, he like, he, he, he could have very, very easily said, I don't want her out there with me. And he always cared about me being out there with him. So it's, I mean, the things like that mean a lot to me. That's awesome. And so what you said about Ronda Rousey is really interesting because I've heard you talk about in other interviews that how you were able to give Ronda like so much of your knowledge and expertise in professional wrestling. And you say that you were definitely able to gain a little bit of the same of her in the, from the MMA world. But correct me if I'm wrong. Don't you have a jiu-jitsu and amateur wrestling background from, from long before that? Yeah, I mean, I did a little amateur wrestling with my cousin, um, Harry Smith, and a little bit of jujitsu with a, a friend of mine in Calgary, and then Eve Torres and Eve's husband, you know, with the Gracie Academy. Um, but I don't have a really extensive background in it other than just working and training with friends that have backgrounds in it. And mm -hmm. especially my cousin, Harry Smith, who like loved amateur still loves amateur wrestling but yeah it's and I think that's why like it's so good to be open to both those styles you know of um going from like taking a little bit of MMA and bringing it into pro wrestling or taking a little bit of pro wrestling and bringing it into MMA which guys like Conor McGregor have been super successful in doing because you can tell that Conor McGregor you know he's watched WWE before because of, of the, the way that he acts I mean he does Vince McMahon's walk 
you know, into the octagon <laughs> or after. He's, you, you see, you see a lot of like little, little things that people do. And, and Rhonda certainly, I think that's why she was able to transition so well into WWE because she didn't go into WWE with the mindset that she knew it all, but she did go into WWE with the mindset of, I'm going to work hard. And she was hungry, she was driven, she was passionate. And she also, she was also super respectful, which when I work with women that aren't respectful of our industry or don't respect me or don't respect my journey or don't respect WWE or what we've done as a company in, in the last five, six, seven decades of, of you know Vince McMahon and his father, what they've built. When I, when I meet people that don't respect our industry, it's just so hard to, to, to collaborate with them. And mm -hmm. Rhonda, Rhonda was just like, she just respects, I feel like she just respects what, she, what we do. She wants to work hard. Um, obviously right now she's focusing on having a family, but when she was there, she just always treated me really well. And she always came with this open mind to learning and to growing and to being the best and never settling. She never was okay with just getting scraps. She always wanted to, to be better and to give more. And like, I think she really did elevate our division a lot and mm -hmm. gave gave back as much as she could. So I, I always will be grateful and appreciative to her for that. That's awesome. So one other thing I want to talk to you about, you mentioned Beth Phoenix, and it is almost 10 years to the day that uh, you had the tag team tables match between yourself and Beth Phoenix versus Lake Cool. So I wanted to ask about that. What was it like putting, putting that together, knowing that there had never been an extreme sort of match like that in WWE featuring the woman? And also, just out of curiosity, whose idea was the pink table? Um, Fit Finley actually was, it was his idea to t paint the table pink and, um, he, he was our producer at the time. And so he was a huge part of that match being a success because he, part, he painted, he wanted the table painted pink. He wanted to make like, he wanted to kind of <laughs> create a story there with the table, but that match looking back on it is, is one of my favorite matches of my career. I loved, I loved teaming with Beth. I, I loved, um, you know, the story that was involved that we got this opportunity to do something with like a, you know, foreign object. I mean, we girls didn't get to have, you know, table matches before extreme matches like that. So it was really cool. And I think it was actually Michael Hayes um, who made the suggestion that we do that kind of match. He was, you know, again, behind the scenes, but he was like, this would be really cool for the girls. And so you had, you know, people collaborating and helping us with it. And, um, and of course, Michelle and Layla were on a roll as heels, bad guys, bad girls. And, and Beth and I were, you know, Beth was just coming back from an ACL injury. So it was just the stars aligning and it was perfect timing. And, you know, we were, we were lucky to have lots of people helping us and bringing it together and um, bringing it to life. So <laughs> I was, a real, I was, I still think about that match. I mean, me too, even considering how far the women's division and women's sports and professional wrestling has come, that tables match will always go down to history for not only being the first of its kind, for being, but for being one of the best of its kind. I mean, the, the reaction people, you know, that st they stood up and started cheering the arena when they saw uh, Michelle and Layla go through the table, but it didn't break, and they realized you're on the top rope, is still, you know, it's still a goosebumps moment because, you know, they know there's only one way to go and that's down. So what, what's your memory from being on the turnbuckle there, seeing the table not broken and thinking about what you have to do? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was just like, I have to jump off the top rope and go through the table with them. <laughs> but it was, you know, it was fun because I don't normally jump off the top rope, but it was like adrenaline, okay, you got to do this. And it was, 
it, it may, definitely made me want to jump off the top rope a lot more. It was really fun. I just, I kept thinking, oh my gosh, if I go through the table with them, do I, like, in my mind, I was almost trying to talk myself out of it. But it was such a cool moment because, like, 14,000 people were on their feet. I think it was Houston. It was either Houston or Dallas. I believe it was Houston that we were, we, we did that match. I, I'm pretty sure it was Houston. I think you're but right. 14,000 people were on their feet in Houston, like, like going, jump, jump, jump. It was, it was just a cool moment. That's awesome. And just before this, you mentioned that Beth Phoenix came into that match having just torn an ACL, which speaks to how physical and how dangerous the sport is. And I wanted to ask you about uh, one of your injuries. Um, I believe that in, you, at one point when you went to Japan to wrestle very early in your career, you worked a whole tour on a torn ACL. Could you please tell us about that? Yeah, I did. I, I worked, um, I blew my leg out um, in, a mat, in like a practice and then I finished the tour with a torn ACL. And it, I mean, I, I didn't have a lot of stability and my leg was pretty swollen, but in my mind, I, I wasn't like, I, I actually wasn't believing that I was even hurt. I was sort of just kind of in denial, but I also didn't want to just go home and not finish the tour, you know? And, and nowadays I look back on that and I'm like, God, that was crazy because I couldn't run without my leg popping out of its socket. And like, probably, I probably did more damage to my leg continuing, but I also like, I'm, not, I'm the type of person that when I want to succeed at something, I will do it through a broken leg, broken ankle. You know, I've, I've worked through pretty much every sort of situation that you can work through. I mean, my dad passed away and I was back at work like days later because I have passion for what I do. I love what I love what I do. I love being in the ring. I love being around my friends. I love, I love what I do. So I'm lucky that I have something that drives me passionately that I can push through injuries and personal you know, hardships to be able to like fight to go and do, do that stuff. And, you know, we're, we're still, we're still fighting. So all, all the women in WWE are still fighting to continue this women's evolution that we have, mm -hmm. you know, that we started, you know, WWE kind of spearheaded for us in 2015, the girls, it, we're still fighting. Every, every one of us is still fighting for a chance to show what we can do. So we our, our journey still continues with that. <laughs> How is it that you're able to continue after being in this business essentially your whole life, but really wrestling for almost a little bit over 20 years now? What is it physically that you, you know, do maybe differently from anyone else that allows you to be our, you know, WWE's Iron Woman? Um, I mean, I, I enjoy it and I, I, I have a good time with competing in the ring. And, you know, obviously this pandemic has been challenging because we don't have our fans there. The fans are something that motivate all of us when we're performers, whether you're in theater, whether you're in football, whether you're in the NBA, whether you're in WWE. I think that's what I'm really missing the most right now is that interaction with people in front of us because we feed so much off of that energy, but we're obviously trying to make it work. The people motivate us a lot. And when people get behind you or they, you know, they, they, you can, you know, when, when you look at Becky Lynch, for example, and her, you know, when she kind of became the man in WWE and her journey, like the people were so behind that. And I know that like that drove her so much that people believed in her. People thought she, you know, that they were, they were rallying behind Becky. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think that I'm missing that a lot, but that is something that in a regular perfect world pre-COVID, that that is something that drives me that drives me all the time is continuing to perform that interaction with our fans just being able to feed off of that energy and it's it's exciting awesome and so going off of that i wanted to ask you about a specific moment with the fans that 
you know, I've, I've told you that, uh, you know, you're one of my absolute favorite wrestlers of all time, male or female, and definitely my, my favorite woman superstar in WWE history. But um, the moment I remember falling in love with Natalia, the character, was a just a SmackDown match between yourself and AJ Lee, where right at the end of the match, you know, you the crowd is cheering for you because you had a great respectful win over her. But then you toss your head to the ground and you throw her to the side and you pick up the mic. The crowd's booing all this time and you say the days of cute, perky little princesses are over and then the whole crowd erupts cheering for you can, can you talk, tell me a little bit about that moment <laughs> i do remember that um i actually really liked wrestling aj a lot we had we had really good chemistry um but yeah th that was a cool moment because you never know how people are going to react and of course you know that was like i always say to for myself and for a few women in wwe that like prior to 2015 when the, you know becky charlotte and Sasha came up as, you know, they introduced the women's evolution in WWE. Um, prior to that, there were women like myself that I was ready for the women's revolution before it was ready for us. The women's evolution, sorry, correct me. Um, I, I was ready, I was ready to go, but the, what the, we, it, the evolution wasn't quite there yet. So that moment with AJ Lee in that match, um, and then, you know, basically attacking her, getting on the mic, making a statement, it, kind of showed us that the audience was also ready for something different that they didn't want to just see Barbie dolls anymore or girls that were and, and I don't have anything against the girls that came in from a modeling background because Trish Stratus came in from a modeling background mm -hmm. and she went on to become one of the most iconic female superstars in the history of WWE so no matter where where your journey is or where you started where, where you came from you know, I think that the fans, they, they don't care where you came from. They just want to see wrestling. They want to see good work. They want to see, they, they appreciate people that have trained and then have a passion for this. And they'll let you know, our WWE fans will let you know what they like, what they don't like, what they respect, what they hate, what makes them laugh, what makes them cry. And that, again, that's the fun part of performing is getting that kind of emotion out of them. But yeah, when they cheered after I attacked AJ and made that statement on the mic and stuff, it just kind of shows you that, or it was definitely an indicator that they were ready for something different. They were, they didn't want to see a diva's best body contest anymore. They wanted to see girls get in the ring and kick ass. What is it about yourself and your friendship and your chemistry with Beth Phoenix that allowed you to be such a dynamic tag team almost a decade ago, and then again, do the same thing, you know, just or very recently at WrestleMania 35. What is it about you guys that you just click like that? Um, Beth and I just, you know, we, we've always just gelled and we, we share a lot of the same interests. We both love a lot of the same things. She, you know, has always been very like driven as far as working hard and, you know, not just in the gym, but like, you know, cause she's, she was one of those girls that when I first was in WWE, she actually started WWE before I did. And we ended up getting to know each other. And, you know, she helped me a lot with like, how do I handle this? Or, you know, I'm really nervous because they want us to do a diva dance off and I don't know how to dance. And she'd always kind of give me like pointers, like just do this and don't worry about dancing and just wear this and, you know, just fake it till you make it. And she gave me a lot of really good advice because the one thing that I was really strong at was in the ring, the in ring stuff. And I wasn't good at being a model. I wasn't good at being a dancer. I wasn't, I didn't, you know, get picked from a magazine to be in WWE or, you know, I, I was, I didn't win a game show or anything. I, I worked hard to get here and so did she. So we, we both have definitely paid our dues to get in into the business. And she just kind of was one of those girls that reminded me that it's okay to be different. It's okay to be a strong woman. It's okay to color outside the lines. And, and um, yeah, we just have a lot in common. We just, we just gel. And, you know, at the end of the day, I know I can turn to her. And we always joke about having a rodeo of dead horses because 
when you're friends with someone or you're close to someone, you know, we, we can talk about the same stuff over and over and over again, and we can vent and we can just say what the hell we want to say and then like leave it alone. And then if we want to say it again, we say it again. But like, she's always just like, she's just there for me and vice versa. If she wants to tell me what's on her mind or, you know, if it's three o'clock in the morning, I'm, if I'm not, if I'm not sleeping, I'll, I'll definitely answer her back and give her advice. She's just one of those unconditional friends and vice versa. Awesome. Uh, a recent Beth Phoenix and Natalia moment I wanted to talk about. It, it seems like an age ago now, but you know, the 2020 Royal Rumble where it's an underrated one, but where uh, you and her are facing off and in the middle of you guys is Santina Morella. Can you tell us a little bit about what it went into the planning of, of that moment and what, was, what it was like working with Santino again after so many years? Well, Santino obviously is just such a fun, like, person to work with. He's got so much energy. He's got so much, like, his comedic timing is insane. Um, I know some people were kind of, like, on the on some of our fans were a little mad about Santino being in the match because they were like, you're taking away a spot from a girl that could be, have been in the match. But Santino had done so much with Beth and that there was a little bit of a history and there was the Cobra and it was more, again, it was just a little bit of comic relief. And, um, and it was funny. And he had like, I think he really, I think he was really great in it. And I loved, I loved having that little moment with them. It was really cute. And he's such a good sport and such a good person and, and such a great ambassador for WWE. Absolutely. Um, so going away from your relationship with Beth Phoenix, I want to talk about a little bit more about your relationship with the fans. What was it like being the first women's match ever in Saudi Arabia? Because that's something being from the Middle East that um, it's not something that I really ever thought would happen at least so quickly. And then here we have it. You and Lacey Evans have that match. What was it like being part of that? be a part of that match was I mean it's one of the biggest if not the biggest moment for women in wrestling for women in pro wrestling and I say that like even compared to the first women's main like the women main eventing Wrestlemania the the match in Saudi Arabia wasn't it wasn't about WWE it wasn't about me it wasn't about Lacey it was just about like women opening up a door in Saudi Arabia that had never been opened before we were doing something that no performers have ever done in that country. No female performers have ever gone there and performed. And, and for us to be the first performers, not just women wrestlers, women competitors, but actual females to perform, it was a, I felt like it was a world changing moment. And to be a part of that, it was something that like, you know, it'll never, it, it's a moment that'll never be taken away from me or Lacey or from those WWE archives as being, incredibly special because we didn't know how the fans would receive us we didn't know how that country would receive us and we were we were received so well and it's just again very indicative of where that country is you know that they they believe in in, in women competing in wwe they want to see more of it so i'm hoping next time we go to saudi arabia that we can you know i can be a part of the first ever women's tag team match or the first ever women's you know ladder match in saudi arabia or the first ever women's main event match in saudi arabia you never know but to be able to open that door with lacy and to be able, again open a door that's never been opened before it's it was just i think world changing that's amazing so the where I'm from in the Middle East is a country called Bahrain. It's off the coast of Saudi Arabia. And it's very interesting that you were the, one of the, the first women to ever perform there because uh, October 30th, 1997, Bret Hart main event of a show in my country, the only ever WWE show in uh, the kingdom of Bahrain. And I wanted to ask you do, you, do you know if your father also competed at that show? Because I believe he was with WWE because it was about 10 days before the Montreal Screwdog. And I know Bret was in the main event. Do you know if Jim the Anvil was there as well? 
I, I'm not sure. I, I don't. I don't know offhand if he was there or not. Um, okay. Definitely, I'll, I'll definitely have to look into that. Brett would probably remember that. He's got an incredible mm -hmm. memory about okay. his career and all that. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, uh, so it's just cool to see that you know, so many years after Brett, you know, competed in, in a main event in the in the Middle East, you did the the exact same thing, not in a main event, but it's still in a, a groundbreaking history creating role. So you know, just congratulations on uh, doing Thank that. You. So. Going forward, I just want to talk a little bit about WrestleMania and professional wrestling in Southern California. What has been your favorite memory wrestling around here, maybe even not even anywhere near UCLA, so Anna, Anaheim or in Los Angeles? Oh, I love wrestling at the Staples Center. I, I have a lot of friends that come to the show and, you know, it's like they're, the crowd in Los Angeles, that area, like, I mean, I, we've, we've wrestled in Anaheim quite a bit. I've wrestled, I, I mean, I love wrestling in San Diego as well. That's another place that I love love competing in um that was my old stomping grounds with the great collie actually <laughs> um but i i really really like wrestling at the staples center um i wrestled brie bella there um for SummerSlam, and i i it was we had so much fun and like you just feed again feed off the energy of the crowd and we always have like such cool celebrities come backstage last time i was in uh, at the staples center i saw dennis rodman and um there's all these like you know, again, you walk into catering and you're like, oh my gosh, there's Lily Singh or like, you know, there's, there's always a lot of cool people that respect what we do. Mark Wahlberg, you know, um, gosh, I'm just trying to think Travis Barker, like, you know, you have rock stars and comedians and musicians and people that just love WWE. And so to have them come to the show too, at the Staples Center and kind of pay, pay their respects is awesome. And is that one of the things to look forward to whenever coming to Los Angeles and for SoFi Stadium, WrestleMania 37, is the appeal of wrestling, you know, you know, WrestleMania going Hollywood, that there's all these big stars here that WWE gets, you know, to the rub off them and you guys get to maybe make some new fans in that arena. Yeah, I mean, I think that we, we have a great base out in Los Angeles. I think, you know, hope, hoping, fingers crossed, there is, I'm sure there will be, you know, a WrestleMania um, with fans this year coming up. I think we're all hoping for that. So I think WWE is we're, like, we're, you know, we never stopped doing our shows. Mm -hmm. Even with the pandemic, we found a way to keep going. Um, of course, of course we would want fans. And of course we would love to do it in Los Angeles. So we're keeping our fingers crossed that in the next couple months, things settle down because I can't wait to get back to Los Angeles. I can't wait to have a, a, a WrestleMania that's gone Hollywood. <laughs> Absolutely. What is your prediction for what the main event of WrestleMania 37 will be? Well, I would love to see some women involved in the main event of WrestleMania. I mean, you, you know, the girls are always chomping at the bit and um, I, would, I would absolutely love to see a girls main event again. And you never know. I mean, like the girls right now, we're already building some really great stories. You know, again, it's, it's all everything, everything that we're doing right now in WWE, it's all, I always feel like it's all the road to WrestleMania. Like everything, everything's building to that. Like, I think about the women's first ever main event at WrestleMania, and it started at SummerSlam, mm -hmm. where Becky Lynch turned on Charlotte Flair, and that's really where, like, you know, you, you start seeing the waves of these stories come through. So you never know. I mean, I know Becky Lynch is expecting a baby right now, so we won't see her for a little bit, but, like, that was, it happened at SummerSlam, where Becky got that momentum from turning on Charlotte, and then mm -hmm. she and Charlotte had their rivalry. Becky gained again, more momentum and then went into that match with uh, Rhonda and Charlotte. So it all, it all kind of started months and months prior. So there's lots brewing. Um, you never know. I mean, maybe 
everybody's talking about The Rock versus Roman Reigns. Maybe that will happen. You know, that would be really, really cool to see that happen at WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, those are two awesome picks. I mean, everything you're talking about with how the, the women are always chomping in the bid. I mean, it would be amazing to see that happen at SoFi Stadium or even The Rock versus Roman Reigns. So two great picks from, um, from you there. Uh, I wanted to ask you, in, the, in terms of, you know, doing other stuff apart from WWE, you're already a big star on Total Divas with E. And was there something about wrestling that made it easy or hard to transition to reality, reality show programming? No, I actually loved, I loved being a part of a reality show. I like being able to be open and honest with my feelings because that's part of life, going through highs and lows. We all go through highs and lows every single day. You know, not just right now with the country or the world facing a pandemic, like in life, we go through hard times. We, we have ups and downs. We have things that make us, again, laugh and cry and get frustrated, get excited. I mean, it's part of being human, you know, and I like being able to document that so that people you know, who watch Total Divas go, wow, I could totally relate to that. Like we had to put my cat to sleep. It was so hard for us. And when you shared that story on Total Divas, I could relate. And it reminded me of when my grandma got sick or, you know, there's just so many people that, that the show resonates with that, you know, if you're watching WWE programming, you might only see Natty on TV for 60 seconds. But when you watch Total Divas, you get to know who I am. And you get to understand what my voice sounds like, what I like, what I don't like, things that make me laugh, people that I get along with, trials that I'm going through in my life. It's important to see that human side because in, in Raw or SmackDown, you're only going to get so much time to tell that story. And that's why I'm actually super proud of so many WWE superstars for building their own brands right now and, and starting YouTube channels so that I can learn more about people that I'm working with. And that's why the company's gone so digital, but with, with having Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, uh, Twitter, like all these different things that we can get to know about people, you know, so that I, I can know, oh, that's what Liv Morgan's like, or I didn't know that she lived that, like, I didn't know she had a farm in her backyard, or Lacey Evans is building a shed for her pigs, or, you know, like Ronda Rousey's got a donkey and she's making her own, you know, making your own meals out of food that she's growing in her garden. Like, it's so cool that we are able to now, like the world has gotten so much more reality based and that's really integrated into our show, into our product. And I think that reality TV, I think it's very important to what we do in WWE. It's very important and like people want to get behind the curtain. They want to peel back the layers. Awesome. So I recently listened to your interview on Demi Burnett's podcast. And uh, on there, you were talking about how you would really be interested in making a um, movie, much in the vein of the Andre the Giant movie, about Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Have you thought about, uh, or have you gotten, you know, any into the way of looking to, for someone to produce that or do something like that anytime? Because I think a movie like that would be amazing. Yeah, I've been approached by WWE about doing a movie on my dad, or not a movie, sorry, correct me, uh, a, a documentary, um, which I absolutely love documentaries, but like an Andre the Style docu Andre the Giant style documentary. And I think it would be really cool to be able to showcase my dad's life and share different parts of his life that people don't know anything about, you know, because there's so much more in my dad than just being a WWE superstar. And like my dad was somebody that was a very, very gifted athlete and performer and entertainer. But he also, like so many athletes, struggled with um, anxiety, struggled with de depression, struggled with, you know, mental health issues that people don't always want to talk about amongst sports. And, and athletes like Kobe Bryant and um, Michael Phelps recently have talked about, you know, I, I, I have a few of Kobe Bryant's books about mental health and young, like, athletes and mental health. 
from his Granity series. And it's, it's so important to understand that, you know, you can be on top of the world one moment, but it's like your mental health is so important, especially when you're competing against others, especially when you're in the limelight to not have your self-worth be tied into like what you do in sports or what you're doing on the field. So I, I think when I look at my dad's life, you know, that's something I would love to be able to tap into and share in a documentary that, you know, he was so gifted at all these different sports, but I also being in the industry now that my dad was in for a good portion of his life, I understand where he could suffer from mental health issues, you know? So I think that that documentary would be cool to cover that. And again, I said, Michael Phelps, you know, I didn't even know Michael Phelps had mental health issues until I watched a documentary on him. That was about like, you know, how he was, he's the most decorated Olympian in the, of all time. Yet he, when he was winning all these gold medals, he was like cracking inside. And I think it's really important for people to see that side of, of, of us and see that we're not, we're human. We're not perfect, that we, we have the same hopes and fears and dreams that everybody else does. And that over time, it can really affect people and, and their self-worth. So I would love to do, I would love to delve more, more into mental health and tie my dad's story into that. I think it'd be really cool. And I think people would find it really fascinating to learn that side of my dad they didn't know about before. Yeah, that's such an important part of being in, you know, entertainment or being famous or just being in sports. I mean, uh, I, it, speaks to me the positive reaction that Mara Ranala's biopic of bipolar rock and roller got because that's such an emotional but also like inspiring story. So I think something like that about Anvil will be absolutely awesome. And I, I can't wait to see it when you do produce it. Yeah, we really, it's, it's, you know, I think it's, again, like Moro's documentary was inspiring because you see, you know, you see this battle that he's going through inside while he's super gifted on TV. And I think so many athletes and performers and, you know, not just athletes, but like people that are in the limelight, they go through that where they feel, they feel on top of the world one minute and then they keep chasing that feeling of like being worthy. And sometimes being worthy isn't always about being on TV. It's just being able to look at yourself in the mirror and going, I'm valuable. I'm special. I know what I bring to this world. And like, I'm going to live my life on my terms. But you look at a lot of even WWE superstars that they kind of, you know, they get older and they can't be superstars anymore. And I, I've seen it take a toll on people where they just don't feel like they're good enough. They don't feel like they're enough. They don't feel like they're important or relevant or that they can bring anything to the table anymore. And it's sad, but I hope that through time we can change that perception because I don't think age should be an issue. I mean, Jennifer Lopez is, <laughs> she's 51 and she's the, you know, the biggest sex symbol in the world. So you know, I think, I think that we're getting better about that. WWE is featuring a lot of, you know, talent that are, that are in their 50s and 60s mm -hmm. that are doing, they're doing some of the best work of their career. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Ric Flair was, you know, retiring, you know, late into his 50s after having a career that spans so many decades. So what you're saying is absolutely true. Um, another project I want to ask you about is you expressed interest in the past about opening your own wrestling school with your husband, Tyson Kidd, aka TJ Wilson. Have you thought about doing that in sometime during the pandemic or are you looking for things to reopen and have you thought of a name yet for your wrestling school? Well, I, I think it's just really hard to do it during a pandemic because it's something that we thought about, but it's something that is at this moment, definitely on hold because I, I wouldn't feel right about taking somebody's money to train with me, but I couldn't really get in there with them because with WWE, we have to, you know, adhere to strict COVID testing every week in order to be able to go to work. So, it's, it's hard because I wouldn't, again, wouldn't feel right having 10 students that aren't, you know, getting COVID tested weekly the way that TJ and I are. And then being like, 
I'm sorry, guys, I have to keep a six feet distance from you. I can't, re can't really show anybody what to do or what's going on because I don't want to touch anyone, you know? So it's, it's one of those things that maybe down the road, I think it would be better, but um, I have time for one more question, um, but I don't, was there anything else that you wanted to ask or address? Uh, absolutely. Just uh, actually wanted to see if uh, we could teach you how to do the UCLA eight clap and you teach me how to do the, the anvil's laugh. Oh, <laughs> the anvil's laugh is just, um, you just have to kind of laugh as hard as you can and then pull your pretend goatee and go, yeah, baby. So right. can you, can you, you grade mine? Um, can I what? Grade my laugh. <laughs> can I grade your laugh? Yes. Show me your anvil laugh and I'll grade it for you. Okay, here we go. <laughs> that, that was great that was great you really threw your voice into that you got you definitely you definitely brought the laugh it was great and and the goatee pulling as well okay <laughs> now i gotta teach you how to do the eight clap which is our cheer here at ucla i'm sure the anvil did it at his time or another because they make i know they make all the student athletes do it so raise your hands to the sky okay mm -hmm. Then you go, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, U, C, L, A, U, C, L, A, fight, fight, fight. Wow, that seems really complicated. <laughs> so it's just a clap? Eight claps. And then U, 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 and then two clap. C, C, two claps. Yeah. L, A. A and then, then U-C-L-A, fight, fight, fight. U-C-L-A, fight, fight, fight. How's yeah, that? Awesome, I know I had to get guidance for it, so. <laughs> but no, that was your first time, so really awesome. First okay. time, yeah, first time's a charm, but no. But thank you so much. I really, really yeah. appreciate you taking the time to do the interview. And I'm excited about the idea of WrestleMania being in Los Angeles. And I, I can't wait to get back out there and just see all my old friends and to get out on the West Coast again. and. We're really, really excited about it and looking forward to it. Looking forward to being back in front of fans again. So fingers oh, crossed we can do that. Yeah. Thank you so much, Natty. You are my absolute favorite female wrestler and one of my absolute favorite wrestlers of all time, no, no doubt. And Jim Anvil is a hero of mine and one of the reasons I'm so proud of UCLA. So thanks for doing this interview with us and hope you have a great day. Can't wait to see you on Raw and can't wait to see you in Los Angeles, hopefully when WrestleMania 37 comes to town. Oh, thank you so much. And thank, yeah, thank you for your time. I appreciate it too. You too. Okay. All right. Have a good one. You too.